everyone, it's your host Liz. Today's guest is Sana, an aspiring female entrepreneur. After getting her MBA, Sana knew she was destined and determined to live in New York City. We're catching up and seeing if New York was everything she expected. This is Realistically with Liz. Hi, Sana. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I would love to start um, by you telling us a little bit more about yourself. Um, where did you grow up and you know, what brought you to New York City? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Jersey. I guess you can say I'm a Jersey girl with the <laughs> temper and everything. Um, I always dreamed about wanting to live in New York. I came here early when I was young with my parents and we did all the touristy things growing up, Times Square. Statue of Liberty, Empire State Building. And it always felt bigger than life. It always felt like this place that is kind of like a dreamland that I dreamed of moving to one day. Yeah. Um, So having these like early memories, you lived in Jersey. I mean, again, you're so close. You see everything, you know, the city of lights. Um, You know, when when did you actually decide to, to move here? You know, did you try to go to college in New York if that was you know part of your your plan or did you um yeah what really brought you here was it something you know in your career or was it something just like a life moment that just really brought you to New York so I always knew that when I grow up I'm gonna live in New York it was something that um was constantly forefront of my mind so when I came to college applications I applied to a bunch of schools I really wanted to go to Pace University. My dream school was Cornell. I wanted to get into the business program. I didn't get in. Um, I didn't really work too hard in high school. Um, But then I went to school in Jersey for college and I was like, okay, I'm gonna graduate and I'm gonna get a job in New York. It was just like a very factual situation. I remember having a conversation with my sister about it. We were driving up to Albany when I was about to start my MBA. And I was like, oh, I can't wait. I mean, I'm going to school in Albany. Of course, I'm going to get a job in the city. Like, why wouldn't I? And my sister just hit me with that reality check. Like, it's not that easy. Do you know how many people try to get jobs in New York? And, you know, you have to be top of your class. You're graduating with top numbers, et cetera. Um, Of course, having a strong network as well. And... I just never really saw it that way. I was just like, no, I'm destined and determined to be here. I'm going to be here. So then I met my husband who lived in New York. And I wonder if subconsciously the fact that he like lived in the city, I was like, oh, that's so attractive. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm obviously um, very attracted to him in general too. Um, But yeah, I obviously, you know, moved here. When we got married, he was here. So we just moved in together. So that's when I officially actually moved here before I had a job. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like those are, those are some of like the real stories that, you know, a lot of people don't talk about. Um, Either you move here with, with no job and maybe you give yourself a deadline of maybe three months, maybe it's six months. Who knows if you have that kind of cushion to, you know, have the luxury to be here without a job, uh, which we were, you know, just kind of talking about offline. Because, you know, again, it is, you know, you do have that reality check. I had a similar older sister moment that um, my when I started college in New York, my sister told me I had to get a job. And I was like, 
okay, sure. Yeah. You know, again, I'm still a college student, so I didn't think anything, you know, that serious of it. I was like, sure, like any type of, you know, side money that I'll need. Like if I wanted to go shopping or going out to eat with friends, like that needed to be something that I needed to provide for myself. So, you know, at that point, I think, you know, also since I was studying fashion, I was like, this will give me an opportunity. You know, New York has so many stores, so much fashion. I'll be, I'll be okay. I was like, I'll be okay if it's still within college. But, you know, it was a really big newsflash when I graduated, how things were different. Because even if you did have your degree again, like if you didn't network enough in school, like if you weren't part of all the clubs, which seems crazy because I feel like it's almost like a high school thing with all like the clicks and like all the things you do to like get into college, but not like what you do in college. I was like, sorry, I was, you know, working full time and going to school. I didn't have time to be part of, you know, a club that meant, I don't know, once, twice a week. Would you agree? Yeah. Not even enough, right. To join those clubs. You have to be so you have to be an extrovert. You have to network with people, talk to them, not be afraid to just introduce yourself and share your story with everyone you meet. And then you build your network that way. It's not even enough to just like meet someone because you meet so many people in New York all the time. You have to make an impression. So what was your, you, you got married um, or you got engaged and you moved to New York City <laughs> um, officially. So what was your first job like when, when you moved here? Yeah, so I actually owned a South Asian wedding planning company before I got married, but when I moved to New York City, the market wasn't as um, big, and also there were already so many established huge wedding planners, and I couldn't plan like a million dollar wedding, like I was planning, you know, hundred thousand dollar weddings or whatever. It, it worked out well in the sense that I was able to like sell the business um, within our, the first year of marriage, so that did help with that cushion of getting a job. And I did wedding planning for so long that I didn't really know what skills I had in order to get into corporate America and like a real job in the city. So I remember going to temp agencies and just being like, I'm available for whatever you have, like whatever you need. Like it was a good way to make some extra cash too and meet people and also find what I like doing. Do I like being a receptionist? Do I like being an office manager? Do I like being a facilities manager and just stocking like you know goods and stuff in an office or I even did like bookkeeping and things like that so I found that I loved being an office manager I was planning events which really was awesome because I had so much event planning experience and also just um talking to people a lot like you had to be everybody's friend like from the general manager to like the custodian you're kind of like making sure the entire office is a well-oiled machine and it felt very like I'm coordinating constantly right every day Mm -hmm. just like I do with events making sure like the catering managers is doing their job and everybody is where they're supposed to be at the time that they're supposed to be at so that felt very natural to me it was great I did that for five years well I got promoted went into HR and I became a people operations manager. You know, you have to know everybody, especially if you're kind of like any front of a house uh, position does um, impact how you do your job. So, you know, the same way that maybe it's, you know, making sure that the office is prepped for an upcoming meeting, or maybe there's some travel involved and there's some, you know, high prospects coming into the office. 
I, I always remember being like, okay, great. Like, what do we need to do in the big, in the large conference room? Like, do we need to like, you know, get new waters? Like I was a part of a great marketing team that, so we made sure that, you know, whoever was coming in, like their brand was there. If it was a brand, for instance, or, wow. you know, if, if we were meeting with you, for instance, we would have your name on things. Like, you know, we really wanted you to feel like, okay, we were not just, you know, pulling something out of the closet and just like, you know, hoping it for it to look pretty. And I think that always, that always makes an impression on, on people as, you know, and that's how they're going to, you know, remember you at the end of the day when they, you know, kick off their shoes and they go back to their hotel room or wherever they're staying. And especially as an office manager, having to deal with catering, it's a funny story that, so I worked in an office full of a bunch of um, Ivy League graduates. So I feel like they're a little picky about what they are accustomed to. So when they came to work, they're just like their first job out of college. They're super young. Um, they're used to a different lifestyle altogether. And when I was doing lunch orders, I got a million different suggestions and a million different uh, like criteria per person. And it was tough. It was like having to cater to so many different big personalities. And that's what it is. Like New York is full of so many big personalities. Um, but yeah, it's, it's exciting too, because it's kind of like a challenge and it's like, you don't think about that. Like you said, it's so small when you look back at it, but in the moment I was like, oh my gosh, this is like hard. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember having people, you know, again, traveling for like, just even if they were traveling from like downtown to our office area, it was like, okay, great. Like, what if this meeting runs late? Like, what if it's a morning meeting? Do we then have to pick up lunch? Like, how does that work? Or if it's an afternoon meeting, are we going out for drinks afterwards? Are we, you know, taking them out to dinner? And everything, yeah. Where do we do that? So that also, you know, really having a knowledge of the city comes into, like, comes in handy, like, right there. Because even if, like, you know, your neighborhood, you're, like, you normally don't live in the neighborhood you work in definitely especially in New York so yeah. you know when you think about it you know I I worked in Midtown and you know Midtown's full of places but at the same time you're like okay great like what atmosphere do these people want and yeah. it's it's again you have so many different personalities but you're like we need to find like a happy medium so you know having knowledge of like yourself going to places like that comes in handy but also just like your group of friends or even just like you know people that you've like met at networking events too I find that really interesting because you can you know you'll remember what like where you went for that and you were like oh that was a big enough space that holds like this amount of people like does it seem more like an intimate thing we're doing or is it something that you know it's a grand it's a little bit bigger and, you know, we have to invite more people so we don't have to like, you know, anywhere else in the world, it's not as important to have the perfect ambiance before picking where to go for a meeting or for dinner or drinks. Um, and that's something that I love about New York is that no matter what mood or vibe you're feeling that day or for whatever it is that you're hosting, you can find it. Um, there's a place, like, there's a dive bar, there's, like, fine dining, there's, like, everything in between, mm -hmm. so, yeah, it really, it kind of puts a little more pressure on the office manager, too, because then now, not only do you have to find something that works for the dietary restrictions, but now it's, like, okay, what's the mood of the meeting, like, how important is this client, 
um, what's the budget, etc. Yeah, you definitely learn how to like juggle up, you know, a bunch of different things, which, you know, also comes in handy outside of work, because even if you are hosting something for yourself, and let's say your apartment doesn't hold 10 people comfortably, you're like, great, where am I going? Where does every, you kind of go through the same checklist. You're like, where does everyone live? Will they want to commute? Like, you know, again, do we have, do we have allergies? How much do they want to pay? Is there like a fixed price menu? Like it's so many things, but again, like we have that, you know, I think pre COVID, we definitely have that luxury of saying like, okay, great. Like we can do, we can host an eight, 10 person dinner at this restaurant. And then afterwards, you know, go to this other, you know, bar and, or something and like have more of that, you know, relaxed environment or maybe not relaxed and like go and watch a game or something. Like if it's, you know, if you're planning for, you know, something like that. So planning in New York. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I remember one of my episodes, we talk about just planning, even like just your morning, like we're like, there's so many things that happen before if you were commuting to work still before like work from home was instated, like anything that goes on before 9am is, is very, you have to plan it to the T here. Yeah. I mean, it's also the luxury of being able to not plan in a way. Like for instance, I never worry about like, am I running out of milk before my morning coffee? Like if I wake up and the milk's not there, I'll just like run to my corner bodega and go grab it. And, um, that's something that you don't really get if you're not in the city. So yeah. Pros and cons. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's even like small stuff like that, like essentials. Cause I could think of maybe like back home as well. Like you would have to plan like a small grocery trip or something yeah. and, and be like, okay, like, well, I'm not, you know, there's nothing in the corner. I'm not going maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Like I'm thinking like Jersey, I'm like, where would you go? A list and like having to do groceries for two weeks out like I'm not gonna go grocery shopping all the time whereas here you don't do that because you're not gonna carry all the time <laughs> you know like you don't have a car so you do small shopping trips and it kind of changes your entire grocery shopping mentality yeah it's something so silly but I, I it's definitely I mean I remember growing up it was very difficult for us to do grocery shopping. It was like a big ordeal. You go for like a couple weeks out, but then it's like you you fill up the whole carriage, and yeah. I'm talking like the big carriages, not the small carriages. Yeah, yeah the and ones yeah, and it's like well, because they don't fit in any aisle. So I just remember doing that with my mom always, and the worst part was that we did live in a walk up which now like when I moved here, like even knowing the concept that it was walk up, I just knew that we always had to go upstairs. I never called it a walk up before I moved to New York. And it was always so difficult. I was like, oh my God. I'm like, can we invent a pulley system or something? Or like we would have to like stop halfway, leave like the heavy stuff and then go keep going. We are really resourceful here though too. Yeah. Have to be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Let's talk a little bit more. Um, you said you got into more of people and development, as you mentioned, after, you know, doing the office management. Did you continue on that path or, you know, did things kind of change after those five years and you started, you know, craving something different? That's a really good question. I, um, the thing I always say about New York, about working here in the city is 
long days are not eight hour days, they're 12 hour days. Um, if you're not working as hard as you can, you're not gonna get promoted. And I'm a very ambitious person and I just like wanna be the best. But unfortunately due to that, I got burnt out and I was miserable. I remember like not a single day went by where I wouldn't come home and have a glass of wine and probably not even talk to my husband because I was exhausted from working so much. Um, and I think that was when it just hit us that we're not happy. We have everything that we thought we wanted, like a gorgeous apartment, a dog, like a life, like a BMW, like a car in the city. Like that's just like, you know, stuff that we only dreamed of having. And then we had it, but we weren't happy. I quit my job. I was like making six figures. I quit my job and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and we just traveled the world. So we decided, but he, my husband already worked remotely. So thankfully he didn't have to quit, but we uh, started off in Mexico. We didn't even have a game plan. We were just like, Me Mexico's where we got married. It was where we had our first vacation together. So we were like, all right, if we're gonna start this digital nomad life, it has to be Mexico. And we lived there for two months. It was amazing. We started in Mexico City went over to the beach towns in um, Merida. And I loved the slow paced lifestyle and not um, having to like work for a manager. I think that was the best thing. I started blogging just to have something to do. And um, I got that feeling of entrepreneurship again because I'm like, okay, how can I make this blog a bigger thing than just me writing about it? So it got like those entrepreneurship juices flowing again, which was really, really exciting. And then we did that for a year. We kind of hopped around to Europe for a little while and then eventually to Southeast Asia. Um, but it's funny because when we got to Southeast Asia, we went to Ho Chi Minh, like Saigon, and it was so similar to New York City, like the bars, the restaurants, the fast paced life. And there's so many expats that were like hustling and trying to like get ahead in their careers. And by then it was like a years, right? Since we left and we missed it so much. We felt like the slow paced lifestyle was amazing, but it felt like a really, long vacation versus a lifestyle and like I said earlier I'm so ambitious like I was feeling like there's something more to life that I'm missing and after traveling to so many places we realized that New York City is literally the only place where there's so much opportunity like you can get promoted like five times in five years it's just a lot of potential for growth and income. So we came back and I don't regret it. It's <laughs> amazing. I do wish I was not in New York when the pandemic hit, but that's a different story. <laughs> so it sounds like you really, like you said, like had an amazing like year long vacation. Sounds like you really needed the break from, you know, just yeah, feeding into corporate America, as you said, because that was really what, you know, your 
what your goals were at the time. You were like, I propose too, right? Like you don't necessarily have to be burnt out living in New York. You can have a slow paced life if that's what you prefer. Um, And I think that's kind of where I'm at now. I think I'm realizing that you don't have to have it all to be happy and you can find that balance. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what everybody is really looking for. I mean, there's always this talk about, you know, finding that balance between like, you know, work-life balance. Um, But I find it very interesting. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast was that you were like, I've checked everything off my list. You're like, I got to six figures. I was in a relationship. I had a dog, which I think is a check mark. Um, had a car in the city, like all these things. And, you know, a lux- like there was things that it was more of like, I'm sure it was like a leisure moment versus like an actual necessity of car and just things like that, yeah. that, you know, coming also from Jersey, you were like, this is all that I could have over there probably, you know, with the less cost of living. Yeah but I'm choosing to do it in New York. And that's also, you know, something, it's a hard pill to swallow to say, I'm going to quit my job and, you know, I'm going to focus on something else because, you know, you were noticing these things, like you were saying uh, before that you were coming home and you and your husband weren't having conversations. Like your communication was, was, you know, being impacted by, by it. Yeah. And the joys of life, like what's the point of having everything if you don't even have time to enjoy it? yeah yeah we went on vacations and then went right back to work it was just like it felt very pointless to have luxury when you don't even appreciate it and I think I do now though I think now it's like we're more mindful about our spending so much more mindful like do we really need um a high-rise building with a rooftop and a pool like how much are we really even going to use it? Like kind of just like being back to being more grounded. So that's why we moved to lower Manhattan, like in East village, because the life here, when you go out is amazing. You have all the restaurants and bars you could want, but the apartments are a lot smaller and you don't get a lot of luxury. I'm going to walk up now. Like it's worth it to me mm-hmm. to be in a location to enjoy life more versus just having the luxury for the sake of having it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, your, your neighborhood in New York, definitely. I mean, it's constantly changing. Like, I don't know anybody that's like stayed in their apartment for maybe max more than two years. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just take advantage now of whatever I have and appreciate it more. And if I just had it, how, like, would I even use it as much? Like I remember having outdoor space in Brooklyn and we decorated it so nicely and everything but then we were like oh there's mosquitoes or like using excuses to just not appreciate yeah Yeah. I mean the maintenance and the upkeep is obviously probably not easy and then it's you know if you were you know having those burnout days back then you're like okay I don't want to go back to that and you know have to say I'd rather stay inside than you know go sit outside when I have to maybe like you know, clean up a little bit to just to make sure everything's like good to go. Good drink and food and bring it all the way downstairs and then all the way outside. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about like what you're doing now. How long have you been back in New York um, living in the village and what what's next um, on your career path? 
Yeah, so I have actually some really exciting things. Um, we came back in September and I knew the next thing I wanted to do was definitely start my own business. It's the reason we came back. So I had spent a few months thinking about what it was that was important to me. And I realized the whole time I was traveling, I remember joining so many Facebook groups of expats in the areas that we were living in. And I realized that community is really important to me, networking with like-minded people is really important. And that was something that I really wanted to focus on. So I actually got into corporate event planning at first when we first got back because I love, you know, again, with the office manager positions that I've had and planning events and all that. Um, but then COVID happened and I lost like all my clients. <laughs> um, I laugh so I don't cry, but I lost all my clients and the potential income that was going to come in and I had to pivot. And it's funny that I decided to pivot to a social club during COVID because, you know, that's ultimate goal is a physical location, indoor dining that who knows when it's going to be allowed again in New York City. But I decided to go a, the route of like a digital membership and what I really want to provide people with is a chance to build their network without having to see each other in person. And even after COVID, I do feel like people will prioritize where they're spending their time. So say you're working all day long and then you have to get to your family, you're not really necessarily going to come into the city for a networking me meeting or a lunch meeting or whatever. Now, I think it's so great that you could just ask someone to meet up on a video call, talk about what you're doing and share your interest and you know help each other in whatever it is that you can support each other with. And I wanna build on that. I, want, I don't want this to be like a temporary networking situation. Um, so Jetbox Social Club, will be a place where you can meet in person if you want to, you can meet virtually if you want to, but the point is to grow your social network and your professional network. So it really is about whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for friends, we have topics in the digital community that have like book clubs, wine clubs, um, you know, cooking classes, recipes and things like that, whatever it is that you're interested in, there's a topic on there for you. Um, and then if you want to build your professional network, you can just share what you're looking for and we can match you with somebody that we think would be a really good fit for you. Yeah. Well, it sounds really exciting. I, I think that, you know, we definitely need, well, I personally think that we definitely need more platforms to network that are not just, you know, like you said, a Facebook group that's like very niche um, to something. And even, you know, in New York, again, you know, going back to there's so many resources, there's so many people here that it is true. You might not want to commute somewhere far to go to a networking event. So, you know, being able to have like the digital option of doing that, which, you know, we're seeing more nowadays, like, you know, everything before was like, oh, go to this networking event at a WeWork or, you know, go, I don't know, we're, we're meeting at like this bar and 
you know, this group is going or like, you know, this other company is, is sponsoring it, is hosting it. And, you know, sometimes it's, I think it's really hard because it's like dating. I always bring, come back to that. Like it's, you're like speed dating and it's, you know, it might feel like very impersonal, but then you have to really be on and leave an impression. So you have to give them your story. You can't just like, you know, be like, I don't know, a fish out of water. Yeah, definitely. And also like in-person networking events, I hated them. I thought that it was always awkward having to go up to someone and just start talking to them. It, it was never like this easy way to do it. Even though I'm an extrovert, I still found it difficult. So what I plan on doing with our in-person events at Jetbox Social Club is matching you with people before you even attend the event, sharing the event list. So you get an idea of who's going to be there. And then you ha already have that icebreaker or even assigning an icebreaker to people and just having everybody like have a question that they can ask a specific person that we think would be a good match for them. So it's going to be very intentional networking versus just putting everybody in a sea and having them fish around for some food. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I love the concept. And again, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't easy, you know, I mean, I love that you start like, or, you know, thought of this idea, especially, you know, when the pandemic happened that I'm, I'm sure you had the idea pre this, but you know, it, oh, really? Okay. That's, that's <laughs> the idea literally came to me like Cinco de Mayo is having a little too many margaritas. And I was like, I was actually, it came to me because I was looking at social clubs to join because I wanted to branch my uh, network myself and they all look the same. They all um, seem like they were for elite, rich, like social media influencers or artists. And you had to be like dressed to the nines at mm -hmm. every event. And they were expensive. They're like $4,000 a year. Um, it just didn't feel like me. It didn't feel like it's my type of people. I'm a very casual person. I mean, I can go to a dive bar dressed all up or you know go to a fine dining like steakhouse wearing jeans and a t-shirt like I don't really focus too much on physical appearance I care more about like what experience are you getting and the experience that you get at these social clubs is very lackluster yeah and, uh, I was like I couldn't find anything that was out there for me and I decided to just hopefully create it myself yeah so, I mean, definitely your, your entrepreneur juices started flowing again. And I mean, I, I think that I, I do remember like early on in the year when, you know, we were only hearing about COVID like here and there. And I think really when it was just like hitting impact, impacting Italy and China, yeah. everyone, you know, on our side uh, here in like at least the U.S. market at my job, for instance, everybody was like, oh, like what's going to happen to these events? Like we're supposed to go to some trade shows. And I remember there was this one trade show that was happening in Vegas that I was supposed to go to. And I really didn't want to go to it. <laughs> and I was like, guys, if I was like, do we need to cut budget? I was like, I volunteer. Like I literally was like, I don't want to go to Vegas whatsoever. I'm yeah. like, I really don't want to put on a face. I don't want to put on a show. Yeah. And yeah, lo and behold, it was like, you saw like, there was like one article going around that was like, oh, things that have been canceled. And it was like, still, still going on. And then like, the update came like, 
literally, I think the first week of March that it was like, okay, we've canceled it. It's going to be a digital experience now. Um, which, yeah, I mean, I was thrilled ever. I mean, it was a very scary time though, because I, I agree like a lot of people, you know, they depend on, well, you know, event planners like you depend on their, on a brand or a company's business, but then those companies are depending on those events to, to meet, you know, potential clients and, or to, you know, meet up with, you know, any of their partners in the industry. So it's, it definitely, I, I think, I mean, it's impacted most industries because everyone has trade shows and event shows like that nowadays. Yeah. And I'm glad that everyone's finding ways to go virtual. I think it's uh, forcing everyone to be more innovative than we ever would have. I think it's a long time coming. I think that when I tried to travel full time, I did think about um, working remotely and I asked my manager and she's just like, nobody works remotely. Like there's no way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad that all these companies are being forced to kind of get with the times. Yeah. We're, def- we're, we're definitely seeing companies embrace it obviously because of a health standard now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree. I think my, the last company I worked for was really, I think they were a little bit of ahead of the times. There was a lot of remote employees. Um, I wouldn't say 50%, but I'd say like a nice, maybe 15 to 20% were remote, which I found very interesting because you know, they were still at like high, they were kind of like across all different positions too. It wasn't just, um, I don't know, maybe like, yeah, it wasn't like an entry level or like coordinator level. It was like everyone from a director level. Cause maybe you, you think that too, you're like, Oh, maybe cause I'm higher up. Like, you know, if I'm making the big bucks, like I should work, live wherever I want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that was really, I mean, I remember doing Zoom meeting, like all those things that I'm like, we're all in the same office. Like, why are we using Zoom? Like, it was just very interesting to me that all these new technologies were out there um, or they were new to me at least. And I had never used them. So I was like, this is great. Like I'm, I'm learning how to, how to do Zoom. I'm learning how to, you know, obviously all these new technologies have also like come together for like teams to like work more efficiently. Like, you know, yeah. it's, if you're still using Excel or Google Sheets, like, you know, it's everyone else is using something else. Like there's yeah. so many different like technologies about that. And yeah, I think that it's, it's great. Like, you know, people are definitely have to be adapting to, to, to the new ways of things. Yeah. I don't mind it. <laughs> <laughs> is it officially like your third business that you've, you've started? Well, or we don't count the other one. Say two. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, it's like my first time since my first business where I feel like it's doing something with a purpose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So you're putting, you know, all the eggs in a basket for Jet Black Social Club. You know, as a second time entrepreneur, we'll put it. Is there, you know, any advice that you have for people that might be listening that are also thinking about, you know, starting something, pivoting into a different role or a career path, um, especially now with COVID? Um, you know, I don't expect you to, you know, share any, like, you know, I, I, we're not experts here in anything, but I'm sure that, you know, we can, we can help in, in some cases with, with the community. 
Yeah, something that um, I'm going to share that I am half telling myself and half telling other entrepreneurs is not to try to be perfect before putting out your product or service. I think um, if you have a good idea and you really believe in it, trust your instincts, trust your gut, remember why you started it and put it out there and be open to feedback. And you're never going to have the perfect product or service if people don't try it first and tell you what they like or dislike about it. Um, I completely agree <laughs> with you because as I literally started this podcast, it's, it's really interesting. I, um, I've only told the story a couple times, uh, when, you know, I had the idea like a couple months, I want to say I had the idea maybe last year at some point and I never took the time to like research, like, you know, what it actually takes to, to start and, you know, create a podcast. And, and once I did, and I was like, why have I been putting this off? Like, why have I been putting off even like, I started gathering, like, just like all these notes, all this research. And I like kept it in like a Google doc. And I was like, great. Like I'm going to, you know, chip away at it. And once I did, and like, once I found like, it was I started asking different questions, like when I would like research these things and I figured out how to, you know, do this at a, cause I was also like, okay, I want to start this as like a side hustle as a no cost um, venture right now yeah. um, to then, you know, hopefully invest in it in the future. I was, I figured it out and I was like, okay, great. I just need to talk about something. Like I just need to record an episode. So once yeah. I put out my first episode, I like didn't tell anybody. And I was like, that's so dumb of me. I was like, I think I went like a week without telling anybody. And then I told a couple people and then I was like, okay, I want you to listen to it. Tell me what you think. Like my first episode is extremely raw yeah. um, in terms of editing potential. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I again, first episode. I thought it was so great. <laughs> I get what you're saying though. It's terrifying, right? Like, it's just like, you're, something that you put your heart and soul into and what if the world doesn't see it that way and what if they think it's the stupidest idea ever and that's being open to feedback takes a lot of confidence a lot of courage a lot of like trust in yourself too it could destroy you it could make you realize that all your doubts were true and you'll give up but I think it's about again, not forgetting why you started it and why you feel it's needed. It also reminds me, I, I feel like I just saw this on, on Instagram. I follow Sophia Maruso for so long now. Like I completely obsessed with her. I've read her book twice. Um, you and watched the show Girl Boss on Netflix? I've watched her show because I love Brie Larson also, the actress who plays her. Um, but obviously, you know, she, she left Girlboss recently, which she announced um, yeah. on Instagram, but she posted either today or, or yesterday the, thing. The, the quote about everybody dreaming or wanting to be the CEO of their own company, but actually not knowing how hard it is to do it, that it's not just about the title, which I found very interesting. You know, there's so many podcasts out there that talk to people that have made it, that have, you know, hit the... I don't know, the Forbes list, the Fortune 500, the New York Times bestseller list, like all these like, you know, things that are, are great dreams to have and great goals to have. 
But, you know, those people that were just starting out and, you know, learning our ways, I think that that's also really important to talk about. But no one's writing about them and no one's talking to them. Yeah, that's true. I think CEO is just this, like, like she said, a sexy word that people want without understanding the amount of pressure. Like, of course, work, but more than work, it's the pressure, especially if you have made it on these lists and Forbes lists and in the media and you're being watched like a hog. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Comment that, I mean, the post that she posted, people were like, um, you know, that's your view. Maybe being a CEO is just not for you. And that broke my heart because I was like, that's so mean because yeah. it's, that's not what she's saying at all. Yeah. Like, that's the point. I mean, the internet obviously always has their trolls. That's, you know, what, some people are happy with doing, but you know, I can, I mean, I could talk about her forever. I mean, just starting out from an eBay page to, you know, selling her first baby, selling nasty gal, then branding girl boss. Like the fact that the word girl boss is used so much and it really came from her. Yeah. Like that she trademark. Higher brand. Yeah. And, it, and you know the platform again like you know the girl boss platform it it really has come in place where other you know platforms that are very popular you don't feel the same connection you know it's definitely that sense of community that you don't feel ashamed for what you're posting or you don't feel like it's like your network is not going to understand what you're posting about whether it's like you're asking for help or you're asking for feedback yeah it's so it's been amazing for me, I've only been part of it for like a month and I've already found so much value from it. Since you've been here for quite some time already and now that you've found like your true home, I would say, um, in the East Village, what are some of your favorite places in New York City? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I have my favorites, but I try not to go to them too much because I want to experience as much as as I can, I tell my husband all the time that we could go to a new restaurant every single weekend for probably like 10 years and still not <laughs> every restaurant in New York. But if I had to give pointers to someone visiting, I'm a big fan of rooftops. I think they're like so fun. If, and there's like a different vibe for all the rooftops you go to. If you're looking for something laid back and casual, um, like Pod 39 for after work drinks is great. Hotel Chantel is a great spot for, you know, dinner and drinks with your girlfriends. And then if you're looking for, like, more clubby and dance party, the DL is, like, my jam. Like, <laughs> on the weekends, if I'm super drunk, I'm totally hitting up the DL before I go home. It's such a fun time. And when it comes to food, like, I think everybody already knows this, but Frank has the best Italian food in New York City and maybe even the world. And I think Chrissy Teigen agrees as well. I like have her cookbook. She like mentioned. I it. would I would have to agree as well. I do have a secret fun fact. I actually do know Frank personally and his wife. What? Yep. You know, I wasn't super aware of all the celebrities that actually had gone there before, but it's really interesting. Um, yeah, I think they seem like really people they've been like posting a lot on Instagram during COVID and everything and supper is actually right around the corner for me but I still prefer to go to Frank over supper just because it's just like homier yeah authentic 
not to say supper is not supper. I would take like pairings or like celebrations. Mm-hmm. Whereas Frank is just more. I mean, he really does a great job at, you know, just creating that environment for people to, you know, want to come back and have that like memorable experience. But also, as you said, he's always been very, um, he's very active on social too. You know, even from his, his sons, like film him when he cooks in the kitchen that I think that's really amazing. And his wife actually made a film about him. She made a short film about him, which you should definitely check out. It's, it's amazing. It's like in their house, um, which is, you know, it's great. I don't like, obviously don't know them personally, but it seems like they really care a lot about ambiance, which is something I love because when COVID happened and outdoor dining opened up, they were one of the first to really do it right. Like add lights and music and make it an actual pleasant experience versus like tables and chairs next to trash, you know, like which a lot of restaurants do that as well. So like kudos to them for really knowing how to set a scene and provide great food. But speaking of favorite restaurants, if you're looking for dessert, like dough donuts are (laughs) probably my favorite and Sundays and cones is like the best ice cream ever. But yeah, that's, uh, I think those are like my favorite spots that I would repeat if I had to. That's, I think, a really good indicator in New York City. If it's something you would repeat, then it's most likely really good. I feel like you can't really go wrong. It's like, unless you're in Times Square or like, you know, in a very touristy spot, New York restaurants don't really last unless they are really good. And the people that are creating the food here are the authentic people from the places that they're from. And after traveling the world and going to so many restaurants in Europe and Asia, I realized that the food in New York City is extremely similar. Like, very authentic. I think that the restaurants that do last, um, the people that work there, that create the environment is also something that plays a role in it. Just because you know, it's not easy. It's the, you know, I, I interviewed someone that was in the restaurant industry and, you know, the turnaround is extremely high. You know, some people are, you know, are just, you know, looking for a job to pay their bills, which is completely understandable. Like you need to humanize other people. They can't just be a table to you. They have to be like your neighbors. And even if they are your neighbors, like that's even better. Like, you know. Yeah. Especially because when I'm walking in the city and I'm like going and running my errands and I pass like, you know, little Frankie's or Buenos Aires, it's a really good like um, Argentinian steakhouse. It's like super casual. They'll like remember your face. They'll like say hi and they'll be like, oh, like, how are you? Nice to see you. And it feels so warm in a city full of so many people and so many strangers. And that's what really makes it a home. I think that's when you start feeling like you really belong in your neighborhood when, mm-hmm. you know, they're not just nice to you when they're waiting on you they'll like remember your face and I think they should be rewarded for that like tip well people like very well like I mean if you guys check out infatuation they're always posting you know I feel like the last thing I saw was oh rooftops that are open now for outdoor dining and I was like oh gotta check out that and I went through the list like not every place is very popular like some of them are just, you know, popular in that neighborhood that not to everybody else in New York City, because, you know, you tend to maybe not gravitate, especially now if you're not trying to travel too much, like, even within like your, you know, the five boroughs. I've been following and saving a lot of posts because I'm like, oh, I'm going to go visit there next time. And yeah, there's a bunch of resources online right now to find yeah. hidden gems. 
Yeah, definitely. Everyone should be like more active. I know it's sometimes it's very overwhelming, but I think that especially small businesses being active on social is something that they need to 100% do. Yeah, especially now, I think that there's so many people that are looking for um, doing more freelancing projects on the side. I've, uh, you know, for my social club, I've had so many amazing people who are offering content and Instagram, you know, management and all of that for not that much. So I think that it's definitely something to invest in if you're a small business. Yeah, for sure. So now that we've talked about some of our favorite places to eat, on to my final question of the episode, which is what do you love and what do you hate about New York City? I love that it's as busy as it is, like condensed. I think um, that's why I love Manhattan over Brooklyn. I love being able to just like step out and have endless amount of options and not walk too much. (laughs) But also due to that, like busyness and so many people what I hate is the garbage like I think now that they do alternate side parking is you know suspended it's just been a lot more like trash out there and especially now in this super hot weather the smells are just like not very pleasant um but at the same time I feel like I would still not trade it for the world it's not glamorous it's not as glamorous as people think it is um but it makes you feel really good about yourself. So I think that's why I have this love-hate relationship with New York. Yeah. Well, that's why I keep asking my guests this because it's really, I came to the conclusion that it's really a love-hate relationship with New York. That's really the only way you can have it. Um, you know, and it, and it is, I agree with you that it's not glamorous. You think about I really think about how they, again, this was a TV show. When you think about Sex in the City and them wearing yeah. heels everywhere, if you are great, you know what? I'm five stars, like amazing for you. No, but it's so, cute, you know, foldable flats and that's what I wear. And then I change into the heels before like I'm in the elevator. Yep. Even feel- if it's, even at the office, like even if it was like from, a sneaker to a flat, that's like progress. Like, I feel like, you know, whether it is whatever, if it's stylish or it's just for comfort, like, you know, there's so many times that, yeah, I mean, you, you're just walking everywhere and it's normal shoes. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely times where I'll like try to trick my mind and be like, oh, you can wear heels out tonight. And I always regret it. I always, I'm just like, why did I do this to myself? You're like, are we Ubering like two from every place? Cause then sure. I'll be great. We're, are we sitting down also? Do we have a table? Yeah. <laughs> you... No, totally. I am. You just have to love it a little more than you hate it and you will be just fine. Definitely. You can't let all the things, even though yes, the garbage isn't pleasant. And I'm sure, I mean, now that we're not commuting, I'm sure that's like something else that a lot of us are probably happy with, even though we can't go out as much, but you know, again, we're, we're being safe. Um, I'm sure that that's really, you know, something that was on the hate list, but I agree. As long as you love it a little bit more and know that, you know, you're fighting every step of the way, that's, that's what counts. And your podcast really is eye-opening for me in that sense too, because it's like, you're not alone. You're never alone, no matter what you're going through in New York City. There's always people going through the same thing with you. Yes. Um, yeah, well, 
Sana, thank you so much. Um, I'm so happy to have had you on the podcast. And yeah, like you said, you're not alone. There's more stories to share here. So I, you know, look forward to everyone listening to your story. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is great. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with Senna. For more conversations with New Yorkers, head over to the Realistically with Bliss website and give us a follow on Instagram. Remember to rate and review, and we'll see you next Saturday with a new episode.